Capcom presents. Capcom presents. So, you're Wesker Jr. He lost me. Albert Wesker was a colossal imbecile. A fool who tried to destroy the world. He was also your father. Which makes you heir to a very special blood type. And we're kicking off the podcast with some <laughs> spilled Calistoga water. Wait, Calistoga? Is that, is that Arrowhead? It is Arrowhead. Okay, sorry. Well, nonetheless, water has been spilled. Shout outs to good people at Arrowhead. <laughs> Down with those Calistoga dogs. <laughs> exploit our covered wagon history. It's good, uh, yeah. It's good carbonated water. But that's sparkling like water. Which flavor. I, I'm not a fan of sparkling water. Or as they say in, in Germany, mit Gas. Mit Gas? Mit with gas? That's correct. Cone Gas? <laughs> That's not what they say. Um, or hi. Germany. Hi, welcome to the uh, Capcom Unity official podcast. Uh, this is Brett Elston, also Brelston on Capcom Unity. Uh, Greg Aman here, also known as Greg Moore in real life. <laughs> and I'm television Seth Killian. Televisions? <laughs> what what shows are you on this season? I don't season? know. I just thought it might maybe get me on a TV show somehow. People confuse me for... <laughs> you fake it till you make it kind <laughs> of thing? You're on like, The Tester. Right. Isn't that technically a TV show? Uh, I don't think so if you watch it streaming via your ps3 it is on the television there you have it does that make it a tv show because then a lot of things become tv shows as it's made as though it were a tv show it's true okay i was gonna be like then dragon's dogma is a it's a television show (laughs) right all right those are video games right but speaking of video games it's it's all just content to me man uh (laughs) this is our first episode after uh running through the gauntlet that was Captivate and PAX kind of running up on running up on each other in the same week. Um, Captivate is our annual big show where we grab our you know next year worth of uh, games we're going to be showing off and kind of bring the press to some location, centralized location, and then uh, show everything, slap a big embargo date on it, and then everybody goes live at the same time. Uh, and in this Yay. case... Yeah, a little, this, little bitterness showing there from the <laughs> journalist days. A little, yeah. <laughs> Perhaps, all right. Uh, it's just, you know, like... You wake up Tuesday, 9 a.m. Wow, every website has the same coverage. A centralized location. It's not like the some closest sort of thing we have to bunker. A, I know. It's, it's a roving holiday. It, it is. It's, it's, for all intents and purposes, like our own mini E3 that's just all about Capcom. And uh, this year, the big games were RE6, uh, DMC, Devil May Cry, and then the reveal of Lost Planet 3. And the location this year was Rome, which, since we got to go, this was actually my first trip to Europe in general, having never been uh, anywhere east <laughs> some sort of injunction wasn't it by the rest of the countries of the world to not go no brett's no brett's. A big sign they posted outside uh there is a town called brelston somewhere over there that i've seen in google <laughs> results that i'm really confused by and i feel the need to get uh, to attend i am mr sparkle <laughs> yes like that level of like i am brelston why, why are they using my name but uh so yeah, I got to see Frankfurt for about eight seconds, and then immediately on to Rome. And, beautiful and <laughs> beautiful airport. Um, which is that Steve Martin who had the line about no one will ever say the phrase as beautiful as an airport. It will never <laughs> be used. That's the old jokes for the week. Courtesy Take that, of, Steve Martin. Um, but uh, the thing about this was cool about Rome was when having seeing was completely fresh eyes, having never been anywhere where stuff is that old. 
and was just amazed that like you'd walk down the street and oh that's literally a thousand plus years old verging on two thousand years old and right next to it is a mcdonald's playing hoobastank and this is <laughs> this is all in the same like tw- 20 it just foot feels like it's two thousand years from old. the pantheon i could throw a football and hit some kind of starbucks equivalent restaurant and i don't know but just all and all the architecture and then also how there's apparently no rules for what can go on the road and just in general it seems like there's no lines or cues for anything it's like we're now boarding the airplane all of you may enter this hole <laughs> we are now driving on the street what lines put your car wherever and trying to cross the street do not cross the street you're had a little run-in with fascism a few years ago so i, I think they're they've gone anti-line i see now just they're down with lines down with lines but then the word Q is... Up with people. And who was And who was Bringing it back. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're exactly right, though. It is a weird place that's... I mean, I think that's one of the weirdest things for Americans, especially. And that's why I really am particularly fond of Rome, mm. I should say, as like a glorious world traveler. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I, I get around a bit, but Tell it's... Tell me uh, more. Yeah. No, Rome in particular, I've only been to uh, one other time. You've never been? <laughs> <laughs> You've never been? Why, you really must go. Uh, it's the latest fashion for this season. Anyway, um... Yeah, it's it's remarkable because you forget that America. I mean, America's been here since I was born. Uh, what's the deal? <laughs> it's a long time. Pretty pretty old, um, but you forget that the rest of the world is much much older. Or yeah. has, has this sort of legacy of buildings that goes back way far, and uh, they're still there. They took care of. Them. No, that's that's what's amazing. Is like it's hard in the U.S. It's not hard, and you can find it. But like to find something that's one hundred years old. And like, <laughs> yeah, this is like twelve hundred years old, and it's just one of thirty things in this in your visual range that are thousand plus. Yeah, this church is composed entirely of pope bones or something like that. <laughs> You're just like, what? We got an old bell with a crack. Nope, sorry. Yeah, get out of here, small fry. So it's and it's cool because it's lived as you pointed out. It's all lived in. It's not. Yeah, we have a we have a sort of a. I guess a problem with making a little more of our history. We we get really excited. Look, it's a hundred years old. Yeah, let's put it in, you know, lucite and yeah. make everybody pay a dollar to come see it. And then, uh, yeah, these people just have these very. Yeah, I had a friend who lived in Italy, and their um, their garden shed was a Roman uh, guardian outpost from a from a wall mm. meant to guard against barbarians, and that's just where the Romans would come in to get out of the rain and maybe right. smoke cigarettes or something. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Well, they were on break, and it's just now their garden shed, and it's like, yep, it's just here. It wow. just lasted, and that's it's part of life. It's just sort of lived, and yeah. it's a it's wow. a pretty different perspective. So, uh, I recommend people try it. It, it expands your horizon. It changes, it makes you think about the way you think about things. I see, and uh, makes you communist. So, make sure not to stay too long. <laughs> too long. Also, uh, my caffeine headaches took a, a turn for the worse. My no Dr Pepper, no Mountain Dew. Uh, Coke, uh, Coke fiasco, Coke only fiasco of, of Europe. I'm just not a cola fan. I'm sorry. And uh, cola more expensive than wine. Oh yeah, no wine way. Was everywhere. Four euros for a Coke. Yeah. Onosan, I know, was particularly taken oh. aback by that. It was the first thing he said <laughs> to me when he got there. He's like, "Can you believe it's four euros for a Coke?" <laughs> yeah, I stayed clear of that. Whereas the coffee options, obviously, substantially. Stellar. We had uh, some of the best coffee I've had in my life out of a vending machine on Dude, the grounds. I wow. heard about that. Yeah. <laughs> it was a staff-only vending machine. It was unbelievably... Like in the hotel. Yeah, basically, I want to like just refer anytime someone's ever up at a Starbucks, you just be like, here's a vending machine that's <laughs> completely demolishing you at your job, so watch it. And I'd like to point out that our, our like what I assume was some crazy five-star hotel where the press and, and Capcom were staying in, like... Uh, 
very lavish. Well, the the rooms were you know pretty standard rooms. They were just rooms, but it being Rome, it was very beautiful. The architecture was very nice outside, and then embedded inside is literally a McDonald's. Like inside this highly rated, <laughs> clearly expensive hotel is yeah McDonald's. What are you gonna do? I don't want to speak for the Italians, but in some parts of the world, McDonald's has confused people into thinking it's classy. I see. Uh, and like a destination kind of place. Like the Arch Deluxe. Yeah, it's kind of like if there was some sort of Japanese chain that came to America and mm. everyone was like, oh, wow, crazy Japanese place. Right. Let's go check it out. Like how... Like Yoshinoya has sort of become apparently in New York. Yeah, maybe. That's like, really? Yoshinoya is a big deal in I, New York? I, I don't know. I, th- I hear people like making the trip, you know? <laughs> Oof, I'm gonna you have don't to have a talk make a trip to Yoshinoya. You stumble into it. <laughs> right. Yoshinoya is where you end up when you make the wrong yeah. turn. <laughs> Here's some rice and stuff on it. Well, it seems like Shut up. the whole... like it's just some rice and tripe. <laughs> <laughs> Old rice and tripe. Well, just like how Stella's market in the U.S. is the fancy beer, and then over in wherever... <laughs> <laughs> Whatever European hellhole yeah, Stella's from. Belgium, I'm not sure where it like, originates <laughs> from, but is like the kind of standard Budweiser kind of beer. Or over here, it's... Except no substitutes. Perfect. Genuine class. Only the monocled are able to drink <laughs> yeah. Stella in America. But video games. Uh, right. So we're at Rome, Captivate. Uh, obviously, the big initial kickoff news was uh, Lost Planet 3. And uh, we had uh, I posted a series of interviews on uh, on Capcom Unity, the, the podcast feed. So you probably there's a dedicated interview um, from a week or so ago. So you can check that out for like the full details or the numerous previews that are online. But, I mean, the general gist... J or G for gist? It would be a G. G. Excellent. I'll write that down. A soft G. Writing it down. Soft G was also my uh, hip-hop name for four years. <laughs> Do not a use failed career. Gist. Uh, your shirt, I think, makes you have to... No, you're, it was if, you're wearing a purple shirt. It was if you wore purple pants, you would there's, have to record. There's no need to lie to people listening to audio. All right. Why would I wear a purple shirt? Fair enough. <laughs> this is getting inside two conversations that didn't happen on mic. So. Uh, but yeah, Lost Planet 3, the big deal was uh, that it... A prequel takes place before um, Lost Planet 1 and 2. And I mean, it makes sense story wise because with 2 being the way it is, uh, with the jungles and the thawing and all that, it's like if you want to get Lost Planet back to its roots, or, or roots is a strong word considering there's only one game before that. But uh, what most people associate with Lost Planet, certainly what I did when like when I came into the games industry, like Lost Planet was a an unknown, really cool next new big thing from Capcom. And then when it finally came out, it like, just blew me away. And I wrote a guide for it, played through it like two or three times, and just totally fell in love with the multiplayer. A lot of stuff going on there. So you have all these positive associations with the snow, the ice, the harsh conditions, and uh, 3 is trying to get back to that with uh, a, a new single-player story-focused campaign that's not like not so much like uh, 2 with the squads that kind of are you know trying to get on jump on the resources that have been revealed by the Thaw uh, in LP2. So it's it's... Treading back into uh, LP1 territory, but it, it is trying to carve its own path by giving you know a more I don't want to say traditional take, but like that more familiar like camera angle, that third person view that looks more like a that you see in the Resident Evil Gears Dead Space that kind of that kind of camera angle, and uh, tell this very much like one had a story about a, ma- a primary character. Now it's going back to that, but all leading up to what we assume is maybe how. Eden 3 gets to be the way it is at the beginning of Lost Planet 1. But I know there's a lot more stuff to reveal about the story and how all this stuff ties together. So, tip of the iceberg, literally. Um, Very nice. So, yeah, obviously there'll be more coming up at E3 on Lost Planet 3. Um, There will be multiplayer details, which I know is kind of the first thing I was curious about. And they're, you know, obviously keeping that to themselves for the time being. (laughs) And we'll uh, we'll reveal that. I'm I'm assuming E3 will kind of be a, a more... 
thorough take on what we saw at Captivate. That's usually how these go when you look historically at Captivate versus E3. They I'm, definitely have some interesting ideas about that, though, on the multiplayer oh, yeah? side. So, oh, this is Yeah, well, we're not going to spill them all here, but uh, some, some cool stuff there, some, some interesting ideas. Um, I saw a couple things. I don't know if it was pertaining to multiplayer. There were a couple aspects or features that I was like, oh, that's actually a cool idea. I don't know, <laughs> which I'm trying to be equally mysterious. Now we're being uh, maybe too, too much talk with too many pronouns. And These, that was cool. Yeah. It was a fun thing to do. Yeah. Uh, are, are they going to release that presentation online? That the uh, that we producer did, Andrew Szymanski? Um I don't know With if the release... I think that... Uh, I don't know about that actual whole presentation that was shown at Captivate mm. that the journalists saw that I was really hoping we could release so fans could see it. And yeah, it was very cool. Sort of a, a, yeah, of a a man and his horse kind of Western yep. take on the... You know, it's a very lived-in... It doesn't have the sort of typical... It's sort of more like a, a Firefly almost. It is very Firefly, and the music... Like, you'll hear some very, like, Western-style music playing in uh, Jim, the main character, his utility rig, which is a precursor to the vital suits. Yes. And so, like, there's the main score that's actually Mass Effect 2 composer... Mass Effect 1 and 2, Jack Wall. Uh, all right. Go on. All right. Well, he's doing the, the, the orchestral aspect, and then when you get inside Jim's, uh, you, it starts playing this very, you know, playing up that Firefly kind of aspect of, yeah. while there is a lot of cool technology, the general feel of this planet is still very backwater and that kind of approach. Yeah, and he's got like candy bars crumpled up on the ground yeah. and pictures of his family jammed around the edges yeah. of the monitor and yeah. that kind of stuff. So yeah, there's there's just a lot of like little touches in there that I'm really eager to just see more of and obviously we're talking with the teams to uh to see what we can stream uh throughout the course of the year to want to show as much as we can. So there's always like the push and shove to a degree like they want to hold on to their cards, we want to show everything. <laughs> you can't show everything cuz you can't blow it all out at once. So uh Yeah. So. But uh yeah, a new producer on this project, but also uh Ogurosan who's yes. been sort of the heart and soul of the franchise uh, from one and two, mm-hmm. uh, the director there, um, great guy, uh, lives and breathes Lost Planet. So, mm-hmm. yeah, really looking forward to see what those guys pull off together. And then uh, we also had uh, kind of the fir- well, the first press hands-on with DMC, which is the best, the first time like people outside of Capcom got to actually play it. And I know that's obviously DMC has a lot of uh, talking points, let's say, about <laughs> the new game. But th- the biggest thing it all boils down to is: is the combat fun? Like, does it work? And that was. I mean, that was something, honestly, even I was concerned about when I started here, that I was like, yeah, but it, it gets very technical and like 30 frames, 60 frames, all that stuff. It's like, there's pros and cons to all this stuff, but then the point is, if I sit down and I play it and I'm having fun doing it, like, it, that, all that technology talk goes out the window, and I thought the combat was actually quite fun. I liked how you could mix everything together. I liked the way the devil and the angel weapons work together. I thought that was all really cool. And the press walked away uh, satisfied as well. Maybe that's part of my latent press uh, osmosis coming in, and because <laughs> they had a good time, I had a good time. But I think I that know. kind of broad agreement, though. Like, I mean, because yeah. that was people are aware that there's, you know, people people are looking to pick fights with this game. Yes. So the fact that it sort of won over uh, that many people um, to that degree, I think, speaks volumes. But really, I, you know, I can I can talk about it, and I will. But uh, ultimately, do. it's going to be about getting the game out in front of. Yes. Anybody that wants to come and check it out and uh, letting them be the judge because I think it does it, it plays fun. Yeah. Uh, it takes a second to get used to how it feels because if you've been playing like DMC three because the HD collection's out now, like the way you can switch between the weapons and stuff, it's it's different now. So it took me a second to like get my muscle memory to think when I want to switch weapons, I need to do this instead of this. But then once it happened, then once I realized the possibilities there, the the gameplay has just started opening up and. 
yeah, that's why I I have a lot of fun with this game because it's just got a lot of movement options. There's mm. there's rolling, there's air dashing, there's different kinds of air dashing. There's um so any t- any time you have a chance to like do a lot of crazy moving around in the air mm. uh, as well as the combos, um it feels it feels really natural and uh there's just a lot of really creative possibilities and I just it makes me feel like a badass. Not right. like I don't feel like a badass right. in my regular life when I'm pur- waiting for the train after work. In your purple shirt. That's <laughs> purple shirt. Right. Imagine when you're getting rained on in that purple shirt. Is it a metaphor? Purple shirt? <laughs> purple shirt. Purple rain. I didn't even try to go there. No. No, I do feel like a badass most of the time in my regular life, but even more right. so. No, it's just there's a lot of moving around and there's uh, fun ways to try and trick the game. So I was just trying to abuse everything by bouncing off of walls. Yeah, you mentioned like the first thing you did was try to find the maximum movement while before without touching the ground. Yeah. And like you found this way to just like between wall jumping, air dodge, air dash, yeah. which and then jumping off a wall, which resets everything and then you can keep going. Yeah, I like to... But all that stuff just stuff. lends itself to combos. Like yeah. all that stuff can be integrated into like I, what I what I'm already looking forward to is like a week after the game is out, you know, in people's hands and the YouTube videos that will result in the most insane combo video where somebody doesn't touch the ground for like nine minutes or something like that. Like that's what I can't wait to see. Yeah, it's uh, and it's it's combo video, but it's also pretty flexible. I mean, the ability to grapple towards or uh, them to pull you. them to you really lets you be where you want to be because yeah. i mean the worst thing i could say about some of the previous devil may cries apart from some of the difficulty for some of the cooler combos mm-hmm. i mean definitely into the street fighter level of uh, yeah. difficulty with or marvel level um this had a very sort of you know uh i felt like i was really on top of what was happening mm-hmm. like uh it didn't have that sort of frenetic where i'm just like i don't know what's happening but i'm gonna keep hitting x and hope it works <laughs> out yeah um yeah, you get a you get like a chance to think about it while you're grappling towards or or pulling them away, and it's just sort of a split second. But I really like that because it's like, yeah. oh, I think what I will do is switch to uh, you know one of the angel weapons here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. This is a very small thing, but it's something I liked a lot because it gives me just a brief pause. And then there's moments like that in Marvel as well, where I hit someone with a, um, a flying special, which will which will ground them, and that gives me a chance to sort of mentally reset and be like, now begins the second part of this combo yeah. where I will OTG and like relaunch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd rather than sort of mentally queuing up like a billion inputs, I can just yeah. queue up a, a certain set and then have a moment of pause while the combo is actually still continuing to, to figure out what options. I do next. Yes. I believe that is an option select. There's that is not what an option I select know, is. Thank but, you. But I literally used the words option and select. You are selecting options. <laughs> Way to confuse the uh, three people who know what you're talking I about. I know. Um, <laughs> damn it, there was something else about DMC I was going to mention. I don't know what it was. Pizza. Pizza. Slice. It's got to be the, the pizza. pizza slice. That wasn't it, but that definitely happened. Let's talk about the pizza. Let's. I don't know if there's really anything to discuss there. <laughs> I think it. I think that slice speaks for itself. It okay. Um, then we also did a uh, RE6, which sausage was, slice. It was. Uh, <laughs> oh. I don't want to verify that. Oh uh, my. You have derailed this train. <laughs> Uh, RE6 was uh, a really cool di- uh, presentation. Again, I, it's one of those things I was like, can I? Can we put that on Capcom Unity? And they told me to run back to the mountains, you hillbilly. <laughs> and uh, I could not post that, but I tried. Uh, but I don't know what the plans for it at E3 are, but I assume what we show to Captivate uh, will will reappear in some form, just again looking at what's happened in prior uh, Captivates. Um, but we showed off. Uh, this whole segment in the beginning with like Leon and you know how it's really striving the Leon chapters are really striving for that uh, you know RE4 style slowness pacing but then ramping up when you know something is about to happen but 
you know, the team really wanted to keep Leon since you're playing as Leon, you're playing as Chris and you're playing as Jake. They wanted to make sure Leon kind of stayed true to that kind of RE4 mentality. Whereas, and I, I feel like this is, I feel like Chris's direction makes total sense. And I know there's, you know, there's always going to be the argument about new, new Resident Evil versus old Resident Evil. And then that in, that in itself makes Resident Evil an intense challenge to make a game that speaks to everybody. I thought Revelations walked the line pretty well. I think RE4 walks that line flawlessly. But uh, I know there's a, a not small number of fans who would like, you know, like the Code Veronica style or RE2 or 3. Um, whereas I felt 4 Revelations really walked the line. But anyway, Chris. <laughs> uh, Chris Redfield, that guy, he uh, his story progression and his character arc to me makes sense that he keeps ramping up. And I know RE5 was divisive because of the action take on it. And again, when I reviewed it, I was like, this is a fun game, not scary. Um, I think some Resident Evil fans will be angry, but I'm not arguing that this game is not fun because I had a t- ton of fun with RE5. So, but it was all mostly Chris's story. And so naturally the game is going to skew that way. Whereas 6, you're, you're carving it up a few different ways. So to me, it, it does make total sense because Resident Evil isn't the world, isn't the kind of world that can stay in a mansion and, and stay slow and stay like contained outbreaks, like just by the nature of what was going on at Umbrella, what was going on at Trisa, what was going on at all these different places. Like it has to escalate. The number of people invested in what's going on, Chris's stake in how he feels responsible or, or how he wants to prevent these things from happening. So every time this goes, Chris's role is going to ratchet up a notch to the point where you get to six, where there's a global outbreak. Of course, Chris is going to be on the front lines, and it's just going to be this total, you know, balls out action. And uh, that's that I feel is totally, totally makes sense to me. I don't know what you guys feel, but agreed. All right, fair <laughs> enough. That's all I have to say. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I mean, they kind of hinted at that with uh, Revelations as yeah, well. Yeah. Th- that said, I, I am I am really glad that Leon's uh, and you know the way Jake plays is you know kind of st- is still a discussion point because they haven't really gone into how his gameplay will vary from Chris and Leon. But I'm happy that Leon is very much still rooted in because I agree I don't want Resident Evil to totally abandon the scares, the tension, mm-hmm. uh, that feeling of like I might not make it. And, and just trying to find new ways to bring that without like you know ink ribbons and stuff, which just totally rubbed me the wrong way growing up. Yeah. Whereas I thought RE4, yeah, my saves aren't compromised, but and I do feel generally in power. But there are like a handful of moments in that game where I do feel outclassed and outgunned, and I feel like I need to run. And Revelations too. There's definitely cases where you just need to dodge and run away. You shouldn't be shooting everything. Yeah, definitely. And I thought that was pretty. I cool. mean, the survival aspect, even in five, it was there a little bit. Ah, I mean, people. Uh, I I felt fairly limited and for for action hero at least you know you weren't yeah. playing it like you were playing gears or something oh that's true you have to play different that was mostly because of the controls but uh <laughs> fine game fine game but uh obviously more on re6 uh e3 and then throughout the year and the release date moved up to october instead of november so that was a big surprise and i actually don't ever remember that happening in recent history where mm-hmm. a game of that magnitude pop pop was moved up a month I couldn't tell you. You're the date master. I know. I'm sorry. I don't know. Uh, yeah, no. The team just had it. I know they were they were worried about some of the. Well, I think worried would be the wrong word, but you know they were working on some online functionality and a few uh, other things like that. And, yeah. You know, some of the finishing touches on the game, so they had some. You know, you always have what you hope is slack built into a game schedule. Yeah. A lot of times that slack disappears very quickly, and you actually need to extend the schedule, yeah. which screws everything up. Yeah. Uh, in this case, they were actually able to pull it in a little bit, and that's, mm-hmm. I think, a credit to the team. They've been working really well together. It's been a, yeah, that's an exciting group. As I always say about this game, I don't remember seeing a Capcom game so early that I've been so excited about as RE6 because it's really, I I hope it can be 
all things to all people yeah, um, I hope so. by walking that line. And it's really just the amount of content in this game it's, is going to blow you away. I mean, I think it dwarfs previous Resident Evil games. Yep. It, it's it's huge, yeah. I, I don't know how far into the details of that we can go, but I mean, it's with those three playable characters, you can kind of get a sense of how much content is there, and each of their stories is not small. Yeah, no, so, no. I mean, these are you're looking at. Well, I don't. Yeah, we sh- we shouldn't get into. That. I know, <laughs> it's, I know. it's one of those things to the point where you're just like, really? Oh, that's it's not that's not like a DLC chapter. Nope, no, it's all main game. All, it's just like a massive. Yeah, it's, it's a massive huge. amount of content. So just the whole summer, like every you know every one of the big beats of the summer, Comic Con, PAX, Gamescom, those kinds of things. You can kind of expect E3 obviously is the biggest one for uh, games, but uh, you can expect some kind of update every time. Yeah, and I think we're going to be coming out with uh, guns blazing at E3 for uh, yep. Resident Evil 6. So definitely yes. stay tuned for some news on that one. And uh, this is kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but uh, E3, you know, we'll be live streaming as we usually do. So uh, most of these games that were at Captivate, uh, we should be able to stream some of this stuff. So uh, hopefully we'll get some love for RE6 and uh, be able to show whatever they're showing on the show floor to get shown in a sentence as many times as possible. <laughs> so that even if you can't go, which is 99% of you... Um, you can at least see what's going on and not have to like wait for the coverage to kind of trickle trickle out as the as editors get back to their hotel rooms and use the crappy internet. Uh, <laughs> but why would LA hotels want good internet? <laughs> anyway, so that's kind of catching up on Captivate and uh, out recently and since we've been back. Um, well, I guess also went to PAX, which not really any big beats there or anything. But PAX East uh, always my absolute favorite show. I adore PAX East and Prime. It's so much fun. Was on a panel Saturday. With other community uh, community managers from uh, Ubisoft, PopCap, Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment, and uh, Activision, and it was just a ton of fun. Uh, see a bunch of people you only see at those shows, and it's just it's it's super great. And also for Greg and I, getting to uh, talk to Unity fans, like those who are happy and those who are upset. Everyone just when you get to meet face to face, it's a totally different world. <laughs> and being able to actually talk to each other and actually just face to face, and it turns out you know everybody's pretty damn civil when. Well, it's, yeah, it turns large, out you guys yeah. aren't aren't horrible corporate monsters, right. and it turns out they're not uh, yeah. an all-caps yeah. uh, four-year-old or something. Yeah. I like had that. one guy come they're at intelligent. me full throttle, and he was like, I'll never forgive you guys for not localizing Book Tie 3. I was like, that's not even us. <laughs> and yeah, he was like, like, oh, and then he calmed down, <laughs> and we had a civil discussion. <laughs> you should have taken that one on the chin. Yeah, I, I thought about it. I was like, ah. I do kind of blame you somehow i don't know how you're involved but somehow i don't know if i would have just dug in my heels and been like uh, i didn't think no I, we really shouldn't have done that well that's it now we're never doing it <laughs> <laughs> or if i should just be like in fact we're gonna make the japanese language even more confusing than it was yeah. in the original <laughs> how about that I'm gonna add some junk characters in here every so often <laughs> we're delocalizing it <laughs> gonna translate it only we're into colloquializing latin. it latin only boktai three no, the Latin joke's falling flat. All right, moving on. Dragon's Dogma demo came out last week. And yeah, Greg, indeed it did. Greg, you did a stream of that. We did a live stream with Tristan, um, who has been on most of the live streams for Dogma, or at least since PAX East. Uh, and yeah, the demo's out. You can de- get it on PS3 or Xbox 360, and it takes you through the prologue quest where you are a fighter, who is the sword and shield class. And uh, it's sort of a dungeon crawl. It takes you to a chimera fight at the end, which is a gnarly-looking beast with a yeah. snake, goat, and lion all mashed together. Yeah. But what's cool about that fight is, like, I know we showed this on streams uh, last year a lot, but uh, one of the yeah. cool things was that you can actually, like, systematically tear apart this creature, like, take out the snake, because yes. it has a role, like, 
And yeah, the, goat, the goat head can put your people to sleep. So if you take out the goat head, it just like flops around on this thing's back. But then that yeah. triggers lion like rage mode, and it just like becomes super fierce and just starts wailing on everybody. Yeah, the lion is definitely the hardest thing about that thing, and uh, you may see them pop up at other spots in the game other than just the prologue. And I think they're a little uh, beefier too. I thought they were legendary beasts. So there's are. only one. They're, uh, I don't know how that works, but uh, <laughs> I only know what I've seen. And um, then uh, you can also play the Griffin Quest, uh, where you take control of the Strider, who's got a bow and arrow and some daggers. And uh, actually, before you even do that quest, you can create a character using the uh, customization feature. You can create your character and your main pawn. And it's a fairly robust feature. You can There's so many options. Yeah, not just in terms of uh facial features, but you can really uh you have complete freedom over their uh body structure. So you can make a little page boy looking guy or you can make a giant Which also matters Hulk. in the in the main yeah, quest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your weight <laughs> Your well, weight and your size can actually have a real impact on the kind of options you have available to you. And you can actually uh, get a feel for that within that quest when you're uh, fighting the griffin. Um, one of the things you can do is you can sort of jump and cling onto it, and then it'll take off into the air, and you can hack away at it. But uh, depending on how heavy your character is, that'll actually affect uh, how far the griffin can get away. I didn't know in that. Midair, yeah. You can Pretty sort of neat. weigh him down if you're a bigger guy. Huh. There's also like little stuff like, well, obviously you can carry more if you're bigger, et cetera, et cetera. But also there are like little hidey holes you can't get into if you're too big. That I didn't know about. (laughs) So can you be locked out of of quests because (laughs) you're too fat? I think there, I I don't think it's quest level, but there's stuff. I mean, obviously it'll affect your main game Mm -hmm. um, just in terms of, you know, like any other character class decisions you would make, but on a more subtle level. But uh, I think there are definitely like little little areas and oh. special access and stuff. Cool. I didn't know this. This is all interesting. And also, news. wasn't there a 2chan thread, uh, Greg, speaking of Japan, which we weren't? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you saw that, the 2chan thread about the different uh, the Japanese fans went nuts for the character customization. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't see that yet. Oh, yeah. It was incredible. They put together like a Michael Jackson, uh, <laughs> Zangief. Um, Ooh, nice. Who else? Who stars in Gladiator? Russell Crowe? Uh, yeah. Fighting around the world? Yes, they had a they had a whole list of uh, celebrities, and they nice. recreated some Capcom characters, some characters from other games. I think Lady Gaga was in there, yeah. um, pretty convincingly too. So nice. it's, it really is a really robust uh, character creation tool. Well, we should have a post on Capcom. Media. Yeah, well, we did a little giveaway during that stream where yep. we we had people. Uh, we we kind of kept it open ended, but we were like design a character that impresses us in some way and some people did do some Capcom lookalikes we had a Virgil from Devil May Cry and a Gene from God Hand actually I think someone's got my number never speak his name and someone even did me circa 2005 when I had uh-huh. hair <laughs> I meant that they were doing you right yes you might want to rephrase that they were doing right they were <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh, I don't know if you mentioned that yet, but the fact that you can, whatever you create, you transfer. And, yeah, it transfers into the, the full game when you. Exactly. Pick it up. So you can get a little head start. And yeah. the full game has the RE6 demo. That's right. If you haven't gotten your fill of demos, combo one demo into a full game, back into another demo. <laughs> back into another <laughs> demo. Um, and the game is out May 22nd. And uh, well, obviously, since it's a you know, huge game with so many things going on, both main quest and just the world being the way it is, and, and just so many little things to discover and try out and look for uh we'll be streaming that pretty heftily mm-hmm. <laughs> heftily not a word you know what i meant 
convey, yeah. Did it not convey a, a, a... I think it is a word. Can't a, you really... Pestilaciousness. <laughs> that, now that's just pushing it too far. <laughs> Heftily. Cross the line. Heftily, I think, is totally cromulent. Totally cromulent. <laughs> All right. It's, uh, yeah, it's one of those games that, right, as you said, I mean, there's just a ton of stuff there. So I'm actually looking forward to not just what we're able to do, try and yeah. squeeze in gameplay the, during our day, but stay, pay attention to what the rest of the press is going to be doing as well with uh, yeah. as they get their builds in this week and the next. I'm sure they're going to be showing off some pretty awesome stuff because it is, it's got that game, it's got that feel where it's like, it's definitely, it's a true open world game and you can really approach it in your own style and do things uh, maybe not as the developers intended you to do, <laughs> yeah. um, which is, of course, one of the glories of games like, you know, Grand Theft Auto and those kinds of games, really what, what brought the sandbox genre to life. So this isn't uh, sandbox exactly, but it's mm. definitely got some of those elements where you can you can have a little fun and you can be like, you wanted me to do this, but I'm going to go do this instead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. To literally go right for the key, I'm going left. That's right. <laughs> better yeah. believe I'm going left. Uh, also, the demo, the first time I turned it on, I got confused and jumped off the first cliff that's immediately behind you and died <laughs> immediately and was sent back to the main menu. Don't dive off cliffs in the demo. I mean, like... There are consequences. I, I'm, I'm, like, I swear, less than four seconds of gameplay. They're like, <laughs> arisen this way, or whatever it is they say, and they're like, equip your lantern. <laughs> Which way? <laughs> think, yeah. think how disappointed the people who chose you as the arisen must have been in the... <laughs> I think of games as like these little alternate universes, yeah. sort of the Copenhagen interpretation. There's like a yeah. million possible realities branching out, yeah. and... And the one in which you were chosen as the hero, Brett. Not so. not just the hero, but the arisen, and literally the first thing you do is fall. <laughs> well, well, now we're screwed. The thing is, it, does, it already breaks the canon of this fake world because it implies I've gotten this far. I got to the cave, and, I've, and I'm decked out in armor and all this equipment. I clearly know what I'm doing. And then, all right, now you have control. <laughs> Dead. <laughs> so... Uh, that that pocket universe is now overrun with dragons. I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> they've, they've gone nuts. Um, Just popping people's hearts like popcorn. Yeah, that's so weird. Like this <laughs> tiny, tiny human heart that that dragon pulls out, and he just like <laughs> trying to bite into the mic. There uh, we go. There's the. There one. we go. Well, that really hurt. Yeah, that's uh, painful. Oh wow, it's reverberating around my jaw. Uh, <laughs> Should we take a break? Uh, no, we got to finish this. I'm uh, out. Before we head off into break, I uh, did want to talk about we, uh, two, three thousand years ago, we had a contest about uh, share your favorite arcade memory, and uh, the goal was to win. Um, we had one Street Fighter Cross Tekken fight stick per platform, so we had a 360 and a PS3, and the goal, uh, the point was to uh, comment on that article and share with the video your favorite arcade memory, like just, and it didn't have to be super uh, Street Fighter specific, because I just, as I, as I age, I really miss... Know, going to arcades one, but then also every time anyone starts talking about arcades, I st- all these weird little things start popping up. And I remember that guy that I hated in this Missouri arcade from 22 years ago, and then or that really awesome arcade on that vacation that I was only in for two minutes. And God, I wish I could go back and see because I saw across the room some cool thing going on, and I don't even know what game. No, don't take me away. <laughs> and just all those little things bubble up, and it's all but gone now. And all you basically got to be like 25 or older, pretty much. Yeah, I remember when. They- as if that's old, but, uh, and I guess some still are trudging along to, so that, uh, if you're not old, you could still get some semblance of that. Like, especially in the Bay area, there's certainly some arcades that are still going strong. There's definitely some cool arcades still out there. I mean, I think part of the magic you're talking about is, yeah. is probably gone as far as like, there's some totally mysterious game I've never heard yeah. of and may never see again. 
because there wasn't a thing and called there's, the internet and there's that rows of everything. Them. Yeah. Just rows of, of games. Um, That's definitely down a little. I mean, the arcades that are around are, are great. Um, usually of, they have a little more focus. Yeah, there's a focus too. Yeah, and you know what you're getting into when you go there. Or you go into the dilapidated mall arcade that's been, here's your Area 51 with one gun that doesn't work. Here's your DDR with no left arrow. And if you're <laughs> like mine, the Simpsons arcade machine with no homer buttons that have fallen into the machine. <laughs> and it's just like, just put a graveyard here. Just literally just rent out the land for bodies. Just, I'd rather... I, always, I always think about those scenes like when society has fallen, like in the <laughs> waste gun apocalypse and like they're using... You know, they're using things for totally the wrong purpose, and it's yeah. like, that's not what it's intended for. You yeah. can't be... And that's basically how those arcade machines... It's yeah. like a coat rack now or something like that. That's <laughs> not what... That's what the Simpsons arcade machine it's is. It's like, like a cat condo. It's a coat rack. <laughs> something for two-year-olds to poke at. So uh, the winners we had... Uh, there was a lot of entries and a lot of videos, so we the three of us got in Seth's office and uh, watched some of the entries. Actually, we watched all of them, and uh, <laughs> then chose these winners, and... Um, so the winner, uh, we'll play these. Uh, we'll actually play their entries in the break. So the in- winner of the PS3 stick is DePassion, um, for his like, uh, you know, cool again a personal touch about talking about his first arcade win and how he earned his name DePassion and and you know has this backdrop of clearly uh, a lot of uh, not just Capcom but just general game fandom going on and but the story was really cool. It was it was the kind of thing that could only happen in the arcade days um, from about I think he was about ten years ago or so. And then, uh, or maybe not, maybe not quite that long. But uh, he got the PS3 stick, so congratulations! I'll be sending you a PM on on uh, your Capcom Unity account, so you can be sure you're looking uh, at your PMs, because then we'll have to get your address and so forth. And the 360 stick uh, we gave to Stumblebee, who had a, which again I love this name. That's uh, sort of become a household word at this point. Yeah, we talked about the idea of what the Decepticon, <laughs> who was named Stumble. Well, it'd be an Autobot because it <laughs> would be an Autobot. It's Stumblebee, but then like who would build a robot intentionally clumsy? <laughs> yeah, he won the three sixty stick. So uh, again, take a look at your Unity PMs for. Uh, we'll need your address to ship this stuff out to you. And again, this was for not just the Cross Tekken stick, but also that bag uh, that carries them and the cradles. All the components just so. Oh, yeah, it was something cool that the store developed. Uh, you know, Mad Cats has a similar product. This one's actually far be it for me to take anything away from the fine people at Mad Cats. <laughs> a little higher end. I mean, the Mad Cats bag does its does its thing and does it well. Um, but this is a, a little higher production. Nice quality around the edges, and uh, yeah, it was handcrafted. I think the people at the store worked on it for quite a while, and nice. I think they did a great job. Well, they get there's two going out the door for free. Uh, but you can also check out the Capcom store, I assume, for more of said bags. Um, but Stumblebee's entry was, uh, you know, it's kind of a fun story. Again, something that it's hard to come by these days of, uh, you know, playing Marvel 2 in the arcade and kind of playing a beat-up machine, but then uh, discovering, you know, a crowd of people who played and who played fighting games well and getting kind of invited into that group of people and then discovering this whole community that you didn't even know existed in, like, right under your nose. And uh, it, it made me wonder, even on a personal level, like, when I was in college and kind of got out of, you know, fighting games in general, because by the time I got to college, it was like 2001, two, and uh, the whole well, most of my arcades were drying up. But you know, I wasn't not interested in playing Tekken or Marvel or especially like Street Fighter or Super Turbo Two, and so on. But like, just assumed it was totally dead. But for all I know, there was a probably a thriving group. Maybe there's only like five, six people, but it probably could have totally existed and I just, you know, didn't go to the arcade to find it. And, you know, knowing that that might have passed me by, kind of, I was like, man, this guy's pretty lucky that he actually got to stumble 
on to that. <laughs> so we'll play uh, we'll play those two uh, winners in the break. And uh, also thanks uh, everyone who entered. We, I read all the entries and listened to all the videos. So you know, thanks to uh, the Stat Valentine, Senior Sneaky David, who we ended up calling Pee Pants. You, if you watch his video, you'll see why. That was a really good story and was very close to winning. Uh, and uh, thanks to everybody for for entering. And uh, we'll play those in- winning entries in the break. Depassion and Stumblebee. Thanks. We'll be right back. arcade moment is kind of unique in the fact that it didn't happen 10 to 15 years ago. Uh, I would like to say that it actually happened about a year, uh, a year and a half ago. Uh, I was playing Marvel vs. Capcom 2 in my university's arcade. Uh, this was the worst arcade cabinet you could ever hope to play on. I mean, the display was dim, the buttons were like so far apart, half of the inputs on the joystick didn't work, and uh, one of the coin slots on the arcade cabinet didn't work either. Um, and so I'm playing just by myself because I don't know anybody else who plays these games. And all of a sudden, somebody uh, comes up and they're like, hey, who has next? And I look around and, you know, nobody was in the arcade other than myself. So I'm like, nobody. And so he pops in a quarter. Here comes a new challenger, and he, you know, he plays right there with me. We we play a couple games, and he's like, "You are really bad at this game," <laughs> and it's it's nothing new to me. Me being bad at Marvel vs. Capcom too, uh, and it's it's honesty that I didn't expect, which I appreciate now looking back. So he says, "You know." I probably can level you up at this game. I have a tournament. I'm running a tournament in the next couple weeks. He hands me a flyer. It has Marvel 2, uh, Street Fighter 4, um, Smash Brothers. Uh, and so he's like, yeah, come to this tournament. And, you know, you'll see a whole bunch of other people. Uh, and we'll hopefully get you better. So I go. And sure enough, I meet so many more people with similar interests to myself. And it's absolutely mind-blowing because outside of that one guy who I played, I didn't know anybody else who played fighting games. And I think that that's my favorite part about the arcade experience. It's not about the games. It's about the people that you meet 
and the people and the ideas that you experience. And it, it's, it's unfortunate that arcades are going the way of the dodo because I want so many more people to have the same experience that I did. I mean, yeah, I mean, the games are great. The games are fun. But unless you don't have people to play games with, unless you don't have an avenue to really learn from other people, you're not going to have as much fun with the game as you can. And I just wish that I and me, I and the rest, the rest of the world and I can get back to that mentality that dominated the arcade scene back in the 80s and 90s. So without much more being said, thanks to Capcom Unity for uh, holding this contest because it's something that I've been wanting to say for a very long time. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a good night. What's up, Capcom? My name is Paulo, and my most memorable moment was um, how I got my gamer handle. So um, my gamer name is right here on my stick. It is The Passion. So I got that name um, uh, like years back. Um, it was back when I used to play at my local arcade at the mall. Um, there are a lot of top pros that used to go there and you know it was really tough to get like a win at all at that arcade and so um i went in and tekken 4 just came out so there were like a bunch of people who were playing and this one guy had like a 30 game win streak and so i decided you know what i'm just gonna try and play him i'll, I'll see if i can beat him i probably won't though so i put in my quarters and um, I picked Kazuya, which is like one of my favorite um, characters of all time. And when I, when I uh, played him, instead of playing strategically and you know doing all these combos, um, I started button mashing because I didn't know what I was doing. And um, first round, I actually got a round off of him. And the crowd behind me went wild. And this one guy who, who went there all the time said, this dude got the passion, etc. And, you know, people started laughing, you know, and second round, the dude smashed on me. And the last round, I somehow managed to beat him. The crowd went wild. Um, everybody started, um, you know, like hugging me. I didn't know who they were. But anyway, um, from then on, every time I went to that arcade, people were like, oh, dude, check it out. It's the passion. And, um, you know, that just stuck with me from then on. And eventually... Um, when Tekken 5 came out, they had a, a card system where you could um, put your name in and stuff. And so I bought my card and um, didn't know what my name was going to be. And people were like, dude, put in the passion. And so um, I put that name in and from then on, I just used that name. And, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a pro player and, you know, I, I don't claim to be super good at the game. You know, I always go like 0-2 at, at every tournament, but... Um, I love using that name because it just brings me back to the time where I got my first arcade win. Like, no matter if it was, you know, button mashing or, you know, just playing stupid, but I still got it because, you know, um, and people were cheering me on and, you know, I, I wanted that win. And from then on, you know, I've just been um, playing fighting games ever since, you know. I, I made my own arcade stick, you know, I... I bought Street Fighter Cross Tekken, I have the bobbleheads from Comic-Con, 
um, I went to Fight Club, and ever since then, you know, ever since Tekken 4 came out, I've just loved arcade games to begin with. I love the arcade scene, you know, I miss, like, back in the day when I'd go to the mall um, at that arcade, you know, just seeing all the pros there, like Ricky Ortiz and, you know, everybody else, like, it was super crazy to see all these people and, you know, to, to actually have a chance to play with them. Um, I still go to tournaments now, but, you know, the arcade scene wasn't like it was back then where you'd see, like, 50 to 60 people, like, just playing games all the time, but... I mean, that for I mean I know I know I'm rambling, but I that's that's my most memorable memorable moment was getting my first win and getting my my gamer handle. So um, hope you guys liked my story. Um, uh, good job on your games, Capcom. I love Street Fighter Cross Tekken, and um, luckily now I know what I'm doing and I I, I don't butter mash. All right, Capcom, take it easy, guys. All right, again, congratulations to Stumblebee and to Passion for winning those fight sticks. Again, uh, you'll be looking for PMs in your Tap Community accounts for uh, need your address. But congratulations, and thanks again for everyone who entered. I thought it was a pretty fun contest. It was a fun way to like just get those stories out there. And hopefully, even if you didn't win, I, I saw like in the comment thread on the article, like people were kind of sharing stories and commenting on each other's points. Like, oh yeah, that happened to me. That's you know, that's precisely what I wanted to happen with it. So very happy with how that went and. Uh, Obviously, at the end of this episode, we'll have another community question um, actually coming up here shortly. Another community question. There'll be a smaller thing involved uh, prize-wise, but I always like to have tell something in there for everyone who contributes. But it won't be qu- the stakes won't be quite as high as uh, requiring a video and winning a big stick and all this stuff. So, But another uh, c- very specific community news. Um, big milestone with Mega Man Legends 3. Uh, the Get Me Off the Moon 100,000 Strong actually met and surpassed their 100,000 yes, uh, Facebook likes after beginning it. In July. Uh, shortly at yeah, right after the uh, untimely cancellation yeah, of with, Legends Three, and you know we wanted to we wanted to say something last week, or, or you know at least say something to the effect of you know meeting that milestone and meeting right. that goal. But that's a huge accomplishment for everyone involved. It is, but it was also like difficult to find the right way to do it because yeah. anything on our part, you know, even though we're Mega Man fans, Unity, we want to keep waving the Mega Man flag wherever possible and at all times. It was hard to find the right way to do it yeah. that wouldn't, you know, just further stir the pot or give some kind of implication that Legends might come, that Legends three in the way it exists would come back. So it right. was really tough. So we just decided to kind of do it on the podcast. And I know Greg, it it's kind of a bookend for you for very specific because that is why you were hired was in Legends yeah, three. Yeah, I was hired specifically for that game. And then uh, there was a a period of sort of uncertainty for me where I wasn't sure if I was going to have a job or not. And uh, then they were just sort of giving me odd jobs for a while before I became full-on community 
But uh, yeah, I was following that title obviously very, very closely. In fact, that was the only title I was involved in for the duration of its life. And um, yeah, we got tons and tons of uh, fan mail and, uh, you know, there were a variety of movements, but that was the one that sort of really congealed and became a big thing. Yep. And, um, Congealed, maybe not the best word, but is yeah. that why? Anyway, I thought it was pretty good. I saw, I saw some talk going around, like obviously it reaching that goal, like while important, like that, that doesn't change the fate of the game. You know, sadly, that's just the case yeah. because it was canceled, and anyone who was working on it right. is it, now not just working on the next the project, team. but probably has the next project lined up as well. So, like yeah. the idea of it coming back or being reannounced, like the day and date that that happened. And us coming out and saying, surprise, here it is. Like, I think that would look pretty trollish on our part. Like, <laughs> yeah, we've just been sitting here, sitting on it, waiting for something to happen. So, again, the whole subject is pretty tough to comment on. But I did see one question that was asked that is pretty easy to comment on, which is, right. well, if it doesn't come back, was it all worth it? Or was this all pointless? And it's like, well, no, it wasn't. I, I don't feel it's pointless at all. I mean, you just see how the community came together. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's very inspiring, you know, not just the, the Facebook group, but, even the Devrim, which still exists, that was the uh, the group on Unity where people were contributing ideas for the game when that project was still going, and we left it up after the cancellation as just sort of a place for that community to continue to convene and you know just celebrate their fandom. And uh, the number of servbots, which is what we call members of the uh, the Devrim, has uh, jumped to twenty thousand as well, which is huge. We had around 5,000 when uh, the game was still going. And, uh, you know, they've just continued creating art and actually the uh, the Devrim events that we were doing yeah. during the project, they, they're still doing those just as mm-hmm. fans, you know, just to sort of keep the spirit alive. There have been prizes. And uh, we've actually, they, they recently did a weapon designing event, which um, th- I got to say the winner was pretty darn impressive. Mm. Like, I kind of wish I was playing with that weapon but you know it's cool just to see all of the creativity and ingenuity and uh just cooperation that has come out of this yeah and uh kind of ironically uh you might argue that the Mega Man fan base is stronger now than it's ever been so uh, i want to think that that will yeah you know carry over when Mega Man is ready to come back yeah and you know we've said it many times many ways um it's not a Merry Christmas lead-in here, but uh, often we, we've not shied away from the fact that you know more Mega Man is coming, and he's, that's never not been the case. And I, yeah. you know, I can even say like as early as my second week here, maybe, right. when I started in September, um, and incidentally, I found out I was hired the week Legends Three was canceled. So that's yeah. kind of the beginning for me. Like I was covering it from a press standpoint and being like, "Oh man, this you know this is canceled. This is unfortunate. This sucks." Blah blah blah. Like I had, yeah. you know, I'm on the record for how I felt about it. Um, even as soon as like my second week here, there was already like, "All right, you know, what's what's we, next? What do we do?" But it's the, the problem is, you know, if you know game development canceling things that are in development when there's still you know work to be done on them, it wasn't like they were. It wasn't like the game was you know, about to release. Yeah. And it was axed. It was like, no, the game was still in development. So if yeah, you, I mean, you what you start with a blank slate, that literally takes everything back to start, you know, starting point, ground zero. Right. You know, you're back at the very beginning, which means you're not, you're not back into pitch, idea, d- 
developer, you're back in the beginning. So it's like that will take time. It will absolutely take a long time. But that discussion started even like as soon as I was here. There was the discussion was like the beginning phases were already like, what do we do now? Yeah. And there was never not a time. There was never a real silent like period of silence on Mega Man. We never wanted to ignore the topic. There was about a week period after the cancellation where we're like, well, anything we post about Mega Man is obviously just going to be met with rage yeah or which kind of bleeds into even now we still get a a fair amount of that right but again uh, shout out to and and hats off to not just uh, 100,000 strong but Mega Man Network and all the other fan groups who and people are still in the dev room as well the dev room and then also when we do the Mega Man streams each month this year uh, leading up to the 25th anniversary in December everyone who comes in is like just wants to continue waving the Mega Man flag and it's it's just more you know heartfelt and reassuring it's very to see everyone come together in a way that's it's positive, and I know it's sometimes hard to find the positivity when I mean it, in a situation like that. But for everyone who did, like that's what helps me keep going. That's what makes me you know not not feel concerned Absolutely. about the future. Yeah. Of Mega Man. I know the present is you know still kind of grim because there's still nothing to talk about. But uh, you know, that the future is definitely strong, and obviously, I mean if you've been paying attention to the streams and stuff, the between Greg and I, the Unity team, uh, you could not ask for two people. <laughs> Who will be more annoying and obnoxious to everyone who will listen about Mega Man content uh, than the two of us? Uh, Seth is <laughs> he's got a very distant look. <laughs> well, it takes it takes two weirdos like you to make me look like something other than a huge Mega Man fan. Like, <laughs> like by by any normal scale on the mm. in the universe, I would be considered a fairly huge Mega Man fan and mm. uh, played through. I think I counted fifty some Mega Man games. That sounds about right. Including some that weren't my favorites, but uh, um, many many of amazing, many amazing games, and uh, yeah, go way back with the series. But yeah, yeah, I mean, this has been, I know, very tough for you guys and tough for all of us. And one of the things I talked about, you know, Greg was saying he was hired to work on this project that wasn't because we thought Legends Three was going to be the biggest blockbuster or be like, you know, Mm -hmm. it's going to be sell more copies than the Resident Evil or Street Fighters. (laughs) You know, we knew it was going to be uh, a game for the fans, but since I started working here, Legend 3 had been one of those most requested games mm-hmm. um, that I would hear about all the time. Right. Uh, obviously, I'd played through those games and knew the, uh, the legacy and sort of how the story had been left in a lurch. Right, and was, right. When the project started, I was not just excited about the fact that it was coming back and not just excited about the fact that it was, um, you know, answering so many of those questions, but also that it was a unique project to actually engage the fans in a real way from, from the course of development. Um, as we know that, unfortunately, you know, the, the, the honest engagement ended up being one of the hardest honesty things in yeah. all of game development, yep. which is that a lot of games are canceled yep. that was, uh, midstream. That was, yeah, that was definitely my take from the press angle when I was covering it then was like, it's simultaneously, like, its biggest ambition is also, like, it's, it's a double-edged sword. Like, it can be the biggest boon, but if it goes south, then, like, that becomes the biggest compromise of the whole thing. And as much as you felt a part of the community, is it's equally how much you can feel slighted when it when it doesn't happen. Yeah, and obviously it didn't didn't have to do with any of that. Um, you know, obviously we got great support and great, you know, you, you saw all the great ideas that totally. came out of the dev room. But, um, you know, that decision came down and uh, was a disappointment to all of us, but... Ultimately, I think, um, you know, the 100,000, you know, it's not going to be able to reverse the the situation with the game right now. But, uh, yeah, there has been the value. You know, what does it all mean? Yeah. Obviously, the value and the human connection of the people there uh, working together around something they believe in, I think, is sort of, frankly, one of the best things in life. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you're doing it about, uh, you know, whether it be, you know, the Tango or or Mega Man or, uh, or, you know, 
world peace or whatever it might be uh, that's important to you, finding ways to connect with other people like that's I think one of the most valuable things in the world. And uh, in a more brass tacks kind of way, it also showed uh, people here internally the strength of, of the Mega Man fan base and mm-hmm. how dedicated they can be and, uh, you know, the kind of passion that's really there waiting to be tapped. Um, so even if it's not on, on this the, the Legends project, uh, hopefully for something in the future. Yeah, and I would ask uh, just, again, I know it's more waiting game, more wait for more news, but, uh, you know, whenever whenever we can say anything about the next game in the series, like that's a chance, like everybody in the pool, like just to see all this finally come back and uh, everyone who's been kind of just waiting with bated breath, like, okay, so what is next? Uh, whenever that magical day comes, uh, I'm really looking forward to it because to have everyone like be able to like have this sigh of relief like no we're not just telling you that Mega Man is back yeah. like whenever we can actually show you something like that's a day that not just I but I think every single person that hit that like button over the last several months uh, that'll be a happy day for everybody and please click that pre-order button then instead of the <laughs> yes. like button and then I and will, then that will that will definitely show them I will uh, I will I literally will pre-order like 10 copies of myself like, <laughs> I, I don't care of that's always own. the line right I'll, I'll order 10 copies with, yeah. my, with my own money I don't care uh, but uh, another kind of milestone that happened like right around the same day like almost day and date at the same time it was very close proximity was Mega Man Zero as a franchise turned 10 uh, if you go by the Japanese release dates which I tend to go by the US ones because that's when my calendar brain works mm-hmm. but uh, I did see that Mega Man Network uh, they talked about uh, fans culminate to create Zero 10th anniversary compilation so you can check that out on Mega Man Network like a, just a bunch of fans getting together to celebrate Mega Man Zero as, a, as, a, as an anniversary mm-hmm. um and I, you know, I had a thread in there. We gave away four copies, and I was able to get four copies of the uh, Zero Collection, which not, doesn't just compile Mega Man Zero one, two, three, four, but also has that, you know, like it's like an arranged story mode where you can play them all sequentially, and it kind of right. like takes some of the edge off the difficulty. Wise, takes like, a fair, yeah, it takes most of the edge off. Yeah, it's, it's just it's 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 a really cool compilation, and, and I I say that as because I won't name names, but. As a fan of other games in general, <laughs> like there's just some compilations that you buy and you're like, really? You couldn't emulate your own games? Yeah. Like, you, you had to do... Emulation is not the easiest thing in the world. There's all kinds of weird little tricks that you're like, oh, whoops. But I'm happy to say that Zero Collection, like it's great. Like, it, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know it's like minimum you could ever ask for. It's like, could you please port the games correctly when you port them yeah. <laughs> into a collection? But it's like, yes, they all work. They're beautiful games. Uh, obviously, crushingly difficult um, and they get a little less so as you move on, but right. um, nonetheless, four, we gave away four copies, and uh, there was just a fun thread in there, like two hundred something comments talking about like first exposure to zero, what what it meant to you, and it was just a fun thread and kind of an unexpected. Uh, I, I was planning on doing some more zero stuff, like the U.S. anniversary, which is later this year, because that's usually mm-hmm. how I do these things. But right. then when I saw Mega Man Network bring it up, I felt the need, like, well, you know, if that's the way the winds are blowing. Let it not be said that I don't also blow. <laughs> to quote Mayor Quimby, um, but one thing in that in that in that thread, I sound I, I saw uh, how many people, and I can see this because I think I felt this way the first time it happened to me. But uh, did any of you think Zero was a girl the first time he showed up in the screen, or perhaps in art? Are you talking Mega Man Zero, uh, X Zero, so X like, Zero, like classic Zero? Because uh, a lot of people were like, yeah, I thought it was a girl. I think at first I may have, yeah. I, I feel and like then, I must have. And I just remember that in X4, Zero had a very manly voice, but looked very feminine. And then X had a very Girly womanly voice, voice yeah, yeah. high-pitched. But looked like a dude. Yeah. Seth, you leaned forward, which was, signifies yeah. some 
manner of speech. False. I did not think he was a woman. I'm sorry. I had nothing to add, but now it's been called out. You know, one of the podcasting rules is you do not say, nope. <laughs> Does anyone have anything to say? Couldn't, no. Couldn't be more wrong. I had nothing <laughs> we... to contribute. Did not confuse him for a woman. I did have a childhood attraction to Bugs Bunny uh, when that's, he dressed in a dress. That's somehow not so, uncommon. Like, I've heard it from other yeah, people. I thought he was like a she-bugs, or maybe I just didn't care at that point. Uh, or, uh, huh. So there's that. I'd also like to point out that uh, Mega Man Robot Master Field Guide is now in existence. Right. That was something like I saw that it was, I saw it listed and I was like, man, I really want that. It's not ready yet. Before we get into that and the rest of the streaming schedule, uh, I did want to do this week's uh, community question, which kind of ties into like the DS collection of Mega Man Zero. Because that to me was, uh, collections like that I like because they let me get four games in one package that I can just put on a shelf and now I have them all in one location. Mm-hmm. And this week's community question, which you can answer in the forums, um, Cap Community Forums, we'll have a thread in there as well. Um, and again, we usually, uh, I'll pick someone randomly out of uh, everyone who uh, hops in there to contribute an, uh, an answer. Um, one person will win a prize, and I have not selected the prize yet, but that's kind of the fun. It's a total grab bag, what you're getting. <laughs> but having that collection versus owning all four games. So the question is, like, we were talking in your office about the idea of having a collection of games, or if people as we get into more digital ownership and things like Netflix and like, do you want to own DVDs or would you be happy streaming things? What kind of gamer are you? Do you value your hoard slash collection or are you kind of person who like doesn't mind having not physical media or trades things in to get, you know, money off of other things. So basically the question boils down to, you know, are you more of a collector or are you more of a trader? And I kind of wanted to talk about that and see where everyone leans because i'm actually not sure what the like if it's 50 50 or if every or if most people who like tend to be online and talking in a capcom site are lean more towards no no no. i value having like all four games myself like would would you want all four zero carts themselves from the gba or would you be happy just owning mm-hmm. that collection and that speaks like no i there i have all four games back in the day i would be like no i do not want any collections I, want, I need to have every individual game or my collection is not complete and I have a problem where I have way too much stuff and I have to get rid of crap. Um, whereas now, now that I'm, you know, you have your own place with li- finite space and you share it with other people, it's like I cannot keep everything. And yes. actually, yes, if you could come out with a disc that had every game of Franchise X on it, that would be awesome. Um, send one out what your guys' thoughts were. Well, as far as uh, re-releases and collections, like uh, the Zero Collection, I think that those more or less take the place. Of, you know, like, for example, I have the Shadow of the Colossus and Eco mm-hmm. HD Collection, right? And I have those games originally on the PS2, yep. but I'm, I'd be happy to get rid of those PS2 versions. They just take up space. You know, it's like, you know, the collection with, becomes yeah. the definitive version. You're it's never going to actually play those PS2 versions again. It's true. But see, that's where it starts, that weird part of my brain that I'm like, but those are the original versions. I can't get rid of those. Yeah. I mean, I know I will never, ever play those again. I think, yeah, it kind of depends on the sentimental value. Like, I don't think I would get rid of my DMC one or three copies, even though I have the collection now. Two is also on there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, like I, I hit kind of a wall with not just my comic books, but games as well, where, like, I have too much stuff. Like, I was a total hoarder. I, I had to, like, collect games, but I didn't, you know, I alphabetized them, keep make this nice spreadsheet. I know exactly what I have. 
Um, I'm not so much worried about like the financial value of it. I just want it. I want to basically yeah. have a library and one day to have a tome that I can just open yeah. up. Here are all the games. Card catalog. What would you like to see? Um, but it's just gotten out of hands. And then I'm at a point now where I've like I've got the same like bag of Neo Geo Pocket Color games <laughs> in a Target bag in a closet for like two and a half years. Yeah, I've never even opened that bag. Um, but that's what I'm going to start doing. Is I'm going to actually start taking the steps of goodwill. Like I don't. Like GameStop, maybe I get trading credit for some of the stuff. A lot of it, I bet I don't, or right. it's, it's negligible at best. But maybe I just take it to somewhere where, if if I can pass that <laughs> experience on to somebody else, and then they get to discover the same stuff that I liked, then the circle is complete. That was the purpose right. of it. So. I had a very clear image of like a Nelson Muntz <laughs> who's managing a GameStop, punching you in the gut for attempting to return those Virtua Cop. They're not. Guns. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I feel like I here. feel like a, the GameStop Ugh. employees are the one I go to. Would what? What is this? Like for any game older Saturn than light gun. 2010. It doesn't plug into a 360 or a PS3. We don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Just It's better just to think of GameStop as a storage option <laughs> where you don't owe them money. It's a no-kill shelter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for, for wayward video games peripherals. Um, what about you? Which way? Do you have any leanings uh, on I, I cut, games? Or? I cut both ways, actually. I get really weird about a few things, and I've, I've gone through different periods, and I'm flickering right now, so I don't know if I am away. Mm. I used to be an obsessive collector, had to have it all, mm. had to have everything. Um, and then I think sort of what cured me of that was music, because I eventually sort of went over into music world, and I bought CDs, and then I started buying vinyl, which is sort of going in the wrong direction. Yeah. <laughs> but I co- ended up collecting a huge amount of vinyl, um, some of which was worth a lot of money, and then I would sort of decide, like, well, I don't need to have a record that's worth $200. So I'm going to sell this record because it's not worth $200 in listening to me or whatever, mm. um, and I'd rather just buy more records with this $200 than to sit on. So that sort of started to change it, and then obviously when you know it became so easy to have a massive digital collection, and now there's, right, right. you know, now there's your Spotify and your your various other music services where it's really it really is just pretty amazing. Like anything you can think of at the top of your head is just going to be right there. You can queue up a YouTube playlist that's alarmingly thorough. Yes, and it's like the value of having that stuff around is just changed a lot. It's not mm. really relevant anymore. So it's sort of been carrying me. Uh, but my house is still mostly books and records. <laughs> like <laughs> I managed to get better about the game stuff, so I only keep games that are really important to me. Yeah. Um, and just trust that I will I will be able to get them because uh, they seem less rare. I mean, even though there's very rare games, yeah. it's like I feel like you know, even though you know Mega Man, th- some of these games in the collection might not be easy to find on GBA. If I wanted to find them, maybe because they began life as a digital product, like I knew mm. that I'd be able to find it mm. later. Yeah. I don't think it's going to disappear from the earth. Right. Yeah. Also, I mean, there's some exceptions generally, but. Um, Anything like post ninety five is not too difficult to find. It's like, like I couldn't get rid of a single NES or probably even Super NES game just because none of them are particularly like. Even if like if you want to buy any Super NES game or NES game within reason and not like you know those, I forget what it's called, but the super rare carts from like the Nintendo World Championship carts or whatever. Like that's a whole other world. But like generally, any game you want to play, like oh man, I really love Contra. How can I play Contra today? There's many options to how you could play. You Contra. could play it on Newgrounds right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think you know flash. whether you hoard or not. There's uh, sort of a divide between people who feel the need to have ownership of something. Yeah, there's that. Whether too. it's temporary or not, 
Yeah. You know, like I, I still am weird about that. Like I refuse to rent. You know, I don't, I don't really trade new games either. But like, I yeah, I definitely got out of renting, and then Netflix and between Netflix and Hulu, that completely cured me of wanting to own DVDs. Like I just, yeah. don't, I just don't care. The only thing I'm going to buy that's a show or movie on Blu-ray is. Every season of Star Trek Next Generation. <laughs> All right, yeah. this is oh, here we go. He's managed Derailed. to weasel Star Trek back in there. Nope, every season. See don't it come in a mile away. Already have all the DVDs. Do not care. Name your price, Paramount. I'll pay it. And then, <laughs> and then I'm guessing at the end of the year when they finally put out the big Avengers collection. That's like Iron Man one and two, right. Incredible Hulk, Thor, Cap, and then Avengers. In what I'm hoping is just a giant A that has the disc right. slotted in there, um, and then put that out like that. I'll get that too because those movies all mean something to me. Right, it's right. also just cool, even even though I'm not a f- huge fan of every one of those movies. Um, it represents something very cool that happened, and like it may never happen again. It, it's right. too too many things like went right for this movie <laughs> to, to happen, which is out the day this episode airs, and I'm literally <laughs> beside myself with joy. I cannot wait. Going on Thursday night. <sighs> I know something else. Like uh-huh. I don't want to get into this, but also the UK has had it for a week, and. I, <laughs> I, um, super angry that I... It's, yeah, no, I was just laughing because this seems to vary across mediums, right? Like, you have different attitudes towards yeah. owning stuff, right, like, right. depending whether it's music or movies or, yeah. you know, or games, and it's it depends on the person, but it, they seem to have different attitudes towards different mm. mediums, which yeah, is yeah. weird, so I'd be interested to hear if people are like that, too. They're like, yeah, I got every movie ever made, but screw music. I'll yeah, just listen yeah. to whatever's on Pandora or something like yeah, that, exactly. you know? Yeah, so let us and know I, when the... Oh, sorry. Guys. I was just gonna, like, you know, friends of mine, they will buy a game. They refuse to rent, but they sell their games almost invariably, you know, mm-hmm. a few weeks after playing through them. You know, it's yeah. like, why do you buy? You could rent and save yourselves like 55 bucks a month. Yeah, Gamefly or something. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird, just, though. It's like, just a psychological thing. Too, like, knowing, like, like for example, take, like, Red Dead or Arkham City or something. Like, I, I adored both games, played, you know, 60 hours of both of them, completed them, did... In the case of Arkham City, did everything in it, and Red Dead did most, just about everything. Uh, I would recommend them to absolutely everyone. Loved every second of both of them. Will very likely never turn them on again in my yeah. entire life. But the idea of like trading them in, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sir, please. And like, and why that? Why that happens? That mental struggle that happens, or like your two pieces of your brain <laughs> fighting each other. Um, so if you suffer from this very specific trauma, let us know in the forums. <laughs> Um, again, the Capcom Community Forums, the thread will be in the, the uh, official podcast uh, thread there, uh, the official podcast forum, and look for the question thread. And uh, we'll have some prize in there uh, for, you know, a grab bag of uh, some surprise item for a random person who posts in there. And that brings us to the end of the show, which this week will be, Greg, a very specific thing that you do for us every week. Oh, yeah. That whole thing. Let me introduce. <laughs> Weekly Greg and Goblins digital deals. Yeah. Let us know what we can buy Those so you don't have to own the physical disc and take up space and then throw it in the garbage. I'm also going to throw in some deals that are physical things, but you can get them using Hang on. digital can, can I play shopping. This, can I play this backwards? Nope. Can't do it backwards. <laughs> can I try to do it in reverse for physical media? Right. Um, I don't get it. But here we go. So you got... ran up on the ball. I mean, you don't wait for the ball to come to you. Right. He doesn't get that either. I don't. Okay. Uh, uh, be literal. Okay. <laughs> so we've got 
a bunch of DLC out this week. We've got uh, Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City, a whole bunch of weapon packs coming out, including the power weapons, the renegade weapons, the elite weapons, the classic weapons, uh, each for one ninety nine, or the weapon stash, which is four ninety nine. I have some info on each of those. It says the power weapons pack. Uh, Included in this pack are the high-capacity combat shotgun and the deadly anti-material rifle. The Renegade Weapons has a deadly machine pistol and long-barreled cowboy shotgun. That sounds fun. Uh, the Elite Weapons Pack has uh, some of Umbrella's special prototype guns, including the pump-action perforator and tactical combat Submachine gun. Classic weapons pack uh, has sort of a retro thing going on. You get two throwback weapons, including the classic launcher, which is that explosive gun from uh, mm. the classic games, and the cool. rapid fire Matilda pistol, which mm. I don't remember. I th- oh, wait, was that in three? Another Matilda you, uh, pistol. Yeah. And then the weapon stash is the ultimate arsenal upgrade. Uh, it gives you all of the eight weapons that I've just mentioned. So. <laughs> There you go. That's up. Also, we have uh, some new Street Fighter Cross Tekken DLC. Uh, first, there's two new free color palettes. Um, color palette add-on three and special color palette two. Oh, special two. Is there a purple <laughs> in that one? We have good times I together, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then uh, you've got the Street Fighter and Tekken shared assist gem pack number four for 199 Street Fighter boost gem pack three and four. Those are 99 cents each, as well as the Tekken shared, uh, I'm sorry, Tekken Boost Gem uh, Packs 3 and 4, which are also 99 cents each. Your proper pronunciation of Tekken is You know, when people say Tekken, it sounds like chicken. That's correct. It's it's, it's incorrect. I like Tekken tonight. I I always go with Tekken it to the streets. (laughs) I don't follow that one. Street Fighter vs. Chicken. Um, (laughs) Okay, also on the Capcom store, which is shop... Sorry, I... Put on, on Capcom Unity, there was an, an article that went up uh, earlier this week uh, that was like the breakdown of what each of those gym packs is. I okay. took a lot of time formatting a very good long so list of information. Some of you so. readers out there may know more than I do. Some of you. <laughs> um, also on the Capcom online store, which is shop.capcom, shop.capcom.com, you can... <laughs> Um, we've got a whole bunch of t-shirts, including a Steel Battalion Heavy Armor t-shirt that says War Inside and Out and has a cool-looking sort of retro-style logo. Uh, it's $19.95, but you can get $10 off if you purchase the game through the store. Uh, same goes for the new DMC shirt, which is uh, it features concept art of the Ebony and Ivory from way back in 2001. I actually got a comment on that shirt over the weekend a few couple of weeks ago. Somebody oh, yeah. was like, it's a cool shirt. And I'm like, you don't know, it's a Devil May Cry shirt. Yeah, if that's, I told you, that's the like, beauty of it. It's subtle. But yeah, so you get that shirt for 1995 or $10 off if you purchase the Devil May Cry HD collection, available now. Uh, also, if you pre-order Dragon's Dogma off the store, you get a free customizable Pawn Bobble Bud. Uh, we've Released a lot of Bobble Buds in the past, including the awesome Osura's Wrath Bobble Bud, which has six arms. But this one is uh, probably our coolest yet. It comes with a couple of sticker sheets, and you can actually fully customize the thing to look like uh, the Bobble Bud of your heart's desire. Um, Finally, I can realize this Bobble Bud I've been dreaming of my whole life. Exactly. Um, There are also three new Mega Man t-shirts, which uh, we've been advertising a little bit, both on Unity and uh, over on the Mega Man network. They did a giveaway for one of the uh, shirt designs. They're each $19.95 and quite rad. Um, There's also... uh, 
this is back to DLC, but we've got some uh, Asura's Wrath DLC, the latest episode bundle, which is called Part 4, Nirvana. contains episodes 19 through 22 and is going for 699 or 560 Microsoft points and features uh, reportedly quite an interesting plot twist. Oh, really? In the end, yes. Um, I think there's also some crazy Capcom fan service going on. Um, Marvel vs. Capcom 2 has come out on iOS devices. You can get it for iPhone or iPod Touch for $299 until or through May 6th. And then after that, it goes up to $499. So you want to act now. Um, Dead Rising 2 Off the Record is now available digitally on both PSN and uh, Xbox Live for $20, $19.99 or $600. Uh, Microsoft points. Um, that's sixteen hundred. That's sixteen hundred. What did I say? Six hundred. Sixteen hundred. Sorry. Um, Dragon's Dogma demo is out, so download that. It is free. Obviously, it's a playable demo. You can play the stuff that we mentioned earlier, and it is fun. Uh, pre-orders are now available for a Street Fighter Cross Tekken PC version. You can pick that up through Steam, EA Origin, GameFly, or Gamers Gate. And uh, same goes for the PC version of Operation Raccoon City. We'll have more info on that soon, but that should be available for pre-order this week. I guess now, by the time you hear this podcast. Yes, and that wraps it up. That wraps it up. All right, closing out the segment. Yes! Just adding a little bison touch there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that brings us to the end of the show. I wanted to close out with uh, the stream schedule um, that we'll be doing this month. We've got a few things that we know about ahead of time, so... Uh, uh, coming up on May 10th, we'll be doing Dragon's Dogma stream. Yes. Um, I don't know if you've mentioned gonna, the content of that. But no, uh, not yet. So we're going to try and show off the Assassin class, which is one of the hybrid classes. Class-assin? The, the Class-assin. Uh, May um, 10th, so Dragon's Dogma. And then May 11th, uh, Cross Tekken PC is actually out on that yes. date. Um, we'll probably stream the PC version and uh, ideally have some codes to give away for that version of the game. I think they're also doing a promotion with uh, possibly an Alienware involved, so yes. keep your eyes peeled yeah. for that. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier this morning, so uh, uh, yeah, yeah. By, by the time this posts, there may be, uh, uh, by the time this podcast is up, that particular sweepstakes may be out in the wild, but uh, keep your eyes open for that. May 15th, uh, more, more Operation Raccoon City stream. Uh, there's uh, more content coming there, and we'll have uh, some more giveaways. Uh, Greg, you give away like, those Pretty cool resonate the Raccoon City signs yeah. and uh, that kind of stuff. So we'll have some more goodies on May 15th to give away. May 18th, uh, Mega Man 5 playthrough that we mentioned briefly. I will Woo. be clawing my way through that bad boy. And then May 22nd is actually the release date of Dragon's Dogma. So obviously we will have some manner of Dogma stream, but the details of that are still up in the air. Nobody knows. So there might be something cool. Who knows? But... Um, and then obviously E3 is just uh, like pretty much the week after that, uh, like two weeks after that, and uh, we'll be streaming the whole show of E3. So as we began the show with discussions of RE6, DMC, and Lost Planet 3, you can kind of expect to see more of those there, and we'll obviously stream as much of those as we are allowed. And uh, Yes. So look forward to that. And uh, Taking Us Out is um, one of the uh, musical submissions for the Street Fighter 25th anniversary, which had its deadline extended to May 7th. It was originally going to be the day this episode posted, which is May 4th. Um, it's actually been extended to uh, May 7th. So if you're listening to this Friday or Saturday, you know, the week this posts, you've got an extra weekend to get that in. So uh, this is um, from Maxi Demand. This is Breaking in China, kind of a remix homage combo uh, for Chun-Li's music. But uh, again, you can go to 
streetfighter.com slash sf25art for art submissions for this uh, kind of 25th anniversary collection of uh, we're collecting art and music and then haven't really said what we're doing with it yet but uh, it is not going in a giant bucket and then disappearing it will it will reappear later um, used in a lovely way as toilet paper yeah. burn oh no snap. it's gonna be good and then uh, also streetfighter.com slash sf25 music for our musical submissions and that's what's taking us out this week so thanks for everyone who submitted so far and also look at Game Art HQ. They've been doing their own Street Fighter tribute, so uh, you can make one piece of art and submit it to both if you like. Double your chances of being part of this celebration. So uh, August is the actual anniversary. Thanks again, everyone who's listened. Catch us on CapcomUnity.com, twitch.tv slash CapcomUnity for our streams, and uh, talk to you soon. Until next time.